Welcome to Seemingly Ordinary. It's a podcast where I interview people who on the surface appear ordinary, but underneath the surface, they have amazing things going on. Today, I'm with Teresa Red. Teresa was happily teaching English at St. James Academy, an enthusiastic and hardworking instructor who was very generous to her students and in love with books and with writing. She married Nick Red two years ago. But now that she and her husband have had their first child, she decided, I want to be a stay-at-home mom. For women, and probably their spouses, this has always been a complex decision because raising children is complex. A lot goes into it. Today, Teresa and I are going to explore her and Nick's decision. Hey, Teresa. Well, hi. Hey, before we get to the topic at hand, I'd really like to hear your secret origin story. What kind of a kid <laughs> were you? Uh, this is not, I don't know if it's secret, but um, <laughs> what kind of a kid? I think the first thing that pops into my head was um, I, my mom's punishment for me was just putting me in a room by myself. That's all it took, and I was just in the depths of despair alone in a room uh she didn't have to really do much else so <laughs> i think social would be the, the answer so like if you were in the movie castaway you would have not in, been in good shape basically no yeah I, yeah i might have died just from loneliness yes okay <laughs> just crying alone okay um well also as a kiddo did you know what you wanted to do when you grew up that was always a really hard question for me. I, fun with the topic we'll be exploring today, but I did always want to be a mom. So sometimes I would put that, but yeah, I didn't have a particular career path and I didn't think about education or being a teacher, which is what I did for the past six years until I started college. So that wasn't like something I'd always wanted to be. That was definitely a later in life desire. Um, yeah, so I felt, I always remember feeling pretty like, oh, I hate that question. I don't know what to say. And I would just come up with kind of whatever I've heard of most recently. Um, but I think in my heart of hearts, I always wanted to be a mom um, when it really came down to it. So That's yeah. cool. That's cool. Yeah. I, I just, uh, I've interviewed enough people to know that I think a lot of people really do kind of know the one thing that's the most important thing. So, so right. that's, that's just kind of cool. And, and we'll probably come back to that. Um, yeah, for sure. What were your formative experiences in high school? Well, I'm going to answer this question knowing kind of what we're going to talk about, but, um, one that popped into my head was, I remember, and this kind of went into me deciding, I remembered this moment um, when I decided to go into education. I was, this was actually my senior year, and I was stressed out that I didn't know what I wanted to major in. And I felt like if I was going to college, I should, I'm spending all this money, I should know what I'm going to study. And so I was on a run with my older sister, and um, she asked me, well, is there anything that people have kind of called out in you that you're really good at or that they appreciate about you? Or, like, what have you been affirmed for? And, like, so kind of got to thinking, and it 
a memory popped into my head from earlier in high school of a particular friend who would always come to me for help on her papers. And I remember her saying specifically, I always come to you. I don't go to anyone else because you don't make me feel dumb. And and I could help her. So I remember that. That memory popped into my head when I was on that run with my sister. And I was like, well, people do come to me a lot for help with school. And they, not necessarily because I'm the smartest, but because I don't make them feel stupid. And so that kind of is what started the trajectory towards um, education and teaching. And maybe there's something in this for me. Uh, I'd say, yeah, that's kind of in, within the topic. Those were kind of two formative memories that kind of go together. I love it. Just two criteria. You don't make them feel dumb and Mm -hmm. simultaneously you can help them. I just think that's great. That that helps. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The papers did improve. I, I know that there's a lot of people that I don't make feel dumb. In fact, they feel quite smarter than me, but it's because I can't help them. Right, 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 right. So, yeah, you, right, you gotta have both, but... <laughs> yeah. Okay, so college, uh, my, my career in college is it changes everybody. Did college change you? It's interesting. I feel like I was similar in college to how I was in high school, and I feel like a lot of people kind of blossom in college and figure out some of those don't know some of them well themselves really when it comes down to it but I really think my first year of teaching was where I kind of figured a lot of that stuff out more I think honestly that was more my first couple years of teaching were more formative in me like becoming an adult and figuring out who I am and what I'm good at honestly more so than college I'm sure I did yeah change and grow throughout college but I kind of see college as an extension of high school for me personally. And then it was coming out into the the workforce, the real world that I felt like I changed the most. So not to dodge your question, but. No, no, you're, you're not. And, and actually you're making me wonder, since I teach personal finance, I'm thinking, well, you're an adult, you're paying your own bills. You have to please mm-hmm. your boss. You have to please your clients. Mm-hmm. You have to, please like all the constituent parties, parents and students and everybody else. Uh, it, right. it seems like a great time. That and you have a lot less time. So what matters really have to come to the surface? Cause you can't just, Oh sure. Yeah, I can do that. Or I can skip class or, you know, whatever. It's like, you really have to figure out your priorities and what you believe in and what's worth your time. Who's worth your time. And yeah. Right. I can honestly say that in all my years of college plus graduate school and I triple majored, I I can count that I think I skipped five classes the entire time. I I was just like straight A nerd, but but just from talking with ordinary people, I realized that most people (laughs) skipped quite a lot more. I think I only skipped one. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. That's pretty impressive. Uh, But I did not do... The, the triple major grad school situation so <laughs> yeah it was it was really a glorified double major it was math and then two English majors that in my mind were just one English major but but it's sure. another story um you got married in your 
what was it, early 20s, mid 20s? Yeah, so I got married my, oh goodness, my fifth year of teaching, and I was 26 when I got married. Tell us about Nick. Yeah, um, so Nick is, let's see, we have all of, I would say all of the non-negotiables in common, like faith, um, a lot, like the way we grew up lines up pretty well, kind of what we wanted for kids and life and even home style of home, those sorts of things. Um, but we are, I think, and we're both extroverted, more or less. He's probably much more extroverted than I am. But um, but I think we are different in a lot of, like, personality ways, which has been awesome. Um, he is, I'm more of a worrier. He's less of a worrier. Um, I plan ahead more. He's much more in the moment. Um, yeah, so some of those things, it's really beautiful to like be, to see how good that is, but then also to balance each other out kind of in those ways when we could lean too far. <laughs> you plan so much that you never pull the trigger or you pull the trigger without thinking it through. So um, that's been really cool, the way marriage can buffer kind of rub off those edges um yeah yeah so he's spontaneous and fun but super disciplined at the same time which I think is a really rare trait um gets up at 5 30 every morning prays um yeah very consistent while still being super spontaneous so I think that's one thing I really love and appreciate about him. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Well, I, I just, yeah. I don't know if every couple is the same in this respect, but I just want to give you a preview of coming attractions. So I just spent a little bit of time with my parents and they've been married for 55 mm. years and I've known them for a gigantic chunk of that. And, and I have to tell you that neither one of them has changed one whit. Really? On anything. And so, yeah. yeah, the one that is spontaneous, that's great. The other one is a methodical planner and just mm -hmm. none of that type of thing that you mentioned, personality traits has budged an inch. So I, I'm glad um, you enjoy it because my, my gut yeah, feeling is... Yeah, I think is, it probably doesn't necessarily, like I'm always going to be that way and he's always going to be that way, but we do change in how we make decisions. So I make decisions that... I might not make on my own with Nick, and Nick makes decisions that he wouldn't have made on his own with me. So we move a little slower than he would like, and we move a little faster than I would like, but I think we move at a really good pace, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Overall, when you look at it. So yeah, I don't think I'm, I think that's a good point. I don't think we're necessarily changing, but we're doing life differently than we would if left to our own devices. I, I will say my parents have endlessly enriched each other's lives and, right, and I bet right, you and exactly. Teresa will do the same well because my dad yeah. is very sporty and athletic and doesn't care about art or literature or plays and mm. he's gone to all kinds of art and literature and plays because mom has asked him to do so right. and my mom cool. was never all that sporty or athletic but she's been to all kinds of games and so right things she would never have done on her own 
Yeah, yeah. enrichment on steroids. Well, let's mm-hmm. let's get back to teaching. So you taught middle school and then you taught high school English. Mm-hmm. And it's just my opinion, but I think the average high school English teacher is about the most overworked kind of teacher there <laughs> is. I've taught in four yeah. separate disciplines. I've taught high school. I've taught college. I've been around the block. I, I, I just think you... You guys and girls work the absolute most. You lift the most bricks. You put in the most hours. What made you want to teach English? <laughs> yeah. Um, let's see. I think so. the desire for teaching kind of came up, as I mentioned before, with my that conversation with my sister. And, oh, this could be something I, I could be good at. Um, English was just always my favorite subject, always my, my passion. Um, I did think about history because I, I, those two were kind of, um, hand in hand for me. My high school actually was interesting and we had this two hour seminar class called Humane Letters and it was a combination of literature, philosophy, and history. Um, so it was the two hours then you kind of got all of that. So history and literature and English was all um, one thing, kind of, in my mind. Uh, so it's like, do I do history? Do I do English? I never had those disciplines actually not be integrated. Um, and in retrospect, like, sometimes I would think, like, I made the wrong choice as I have this stack of papers. But... I love seeing the progress in students' writing ability, and I really love teaching writing. Um, And then literature and stories are just, I've always loved. So I think I, day-to-day in the classroom, I truly enjoyed English um, and made the right choice over history in that regard, even if the workload might have been a bit more. I can't say that because I've never taught history, but um, yeah. I think just passion mostly was the reason for English. And and do you feel like that passion sustained you all the way through despite the crushing, burdensome workload? I would say it came in waves. Like, And I think I did have a little bit of a, a false idea that in my mind when I was starting out, and it, yeah, just kind of naive that I thought that teaching would be a really great mom job because some desire to be a be a mom like was always there um so I did think of like I said I kind of think a couple steps ahead so I did think of that like with what work I would do um I wanted it to be something that would work for family life and I thought oh yeah teachers like they get summers off that's a great mom job it's a great mom job this is just my opinion, but I think it's a really great mom job when your kids are in school, but, like, little ones, not a great mom job. Uh, <laughs> the workload and the amount of days you get off that you can just pick, um, like, the kind of flexible schedule, that sort of thing. It's like, yeah, nurses might have it a little better in this regard. Um, so... That's, yeah, this is a long-winded answer to your question, but I think the passion kept me, but there were definitely, like, kind of, huh, I don't know if this is actually fitting 
in with my lifestyle that I want for like my family and who I want to be as a mom. Um, that that definitely started coming to the forefront like after Nick and I got married and having kids became a reality. And yeah, so yes and no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I I think the minute people have a baby that no matter how well you've thought everything through before, everything right. is basically going to change. Uh, and, yeah. And, you yeah. know, you might have had nine sisters who all had babies, and you might have had 35 cousins who all had babies, mm-hmm. and you might have had a babysitting empire going on in high school and right. all of that. But even with all of that going on, I still just think the minute you have that baby... It's not that the plans go out the window. It's just that now the plan's going to need serious revision, essentially. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. Well, I'd like to ask you two questions be, uh, related to the idea of staying home because I, I think uh-huh. that's one of the gigantic things I wanted to know was why you chose to stay home. So I guess my two questions I'd really love to ask would be, can you make the case for keeping your job? And then could you make the case for stopping uh, when you did, which was age 27? And, and stopping mm-hmm. for who knows how many years, could be five, could be 10, yeah. could be 58, you know, we don't know. Um, yeah. So those two questions, make the case for keeping and make the case for stopping your job. Yeah, uh, that's good. So. Um, the case for keeping, I think, would be, um, let's see, what were the things that were pulling at me <laughs> to stay? Because it was a hard, it was a hard, um, it was hard to leave. I think I really loved teaching. Um, I, I think I was decent at it, and I was making an impact and um, teaching at a Catholic school and teaching the faith and, um, yeah, trying to be a model of Christian living for these freshmen. And there was a ton of good that I was doing. So especially with the particular job that I had, um, yeah, I was, like, doing really good work. Um, Obviously... Finances is always a factor, um, so having that double income is is um, helpful, um, especially if you have a situation with like daycare that can be reasonable and have family in town and that kind of thing. Um, I've heard people say like. For them, they feel like they're a better mom if they are working somewhat because they have meaningful work and then can come and be a much more focused mom when they're not working. Um, I didn't find that to be true for myself, personally. Um, I think, yeah, it's it's hard for me to... I have a tendency maybe to like work too much or workaholism. And so I think if I tried to work and be a mom, I, I might, you know, that would be a really a, a battle I would be fighting. Um, yeah, so I guess it's easier for me to make the case for staying home because that's obviously the decision I landed on. But 
Um, and the reason I, it was a hard decision was just I loved my job and I loved the work I was doing and it was meaningful to me. Um, but when it really came down to it, Nick and I were both really, felt really strongly that we wanted to be the ones with her. Um, I mean, 90, 99% of the time, we wanted to be the ones. And we didn't want to miss those moments, those milestones. Um, and, yeah, we, we wanted to to be the primary influence on their lives. And, um, and we do see you kind of as the church teaches, like we are the first educators of our of our children and so um we really wanted to take the um take that seriously and if if we could make it work and that was really always the thing if we can make this work this is what we want to do um and I just have always always wanted to be um at home with the kids so um the case would be yeah having mom and dad be the primary influence on your child um and then a big factor for me was creating like a peaceful stable home life um that could both provide stability and peace for my husband but also for the kids and honestly like in some ways for my husband first like I kind of see me staying home as um like first and foremost like to be a good wife and and secondly actually to be a good mom so the nick can be on the go on the run and he has this like peaceful home to to come back to it's peaceful at the moment anyway (laughs) add five kids in the mix it might not be quite as peaceful but um yeah so i think that for me that was the the deepest desire was this creating a they say like being a domestic engineer or <laughs> um, a home engineer, really creating uh, the home life for for him, for me, for um, for our kids. That would be a place of stability. So that's my case for staying home. Well, I think that was pretty good. You made a good case both for keeping the job and for stopping the job, um, even though you were very, very much more strongly towards stopping, which is what you did. Uh, Right, right. So I'd like to get into some of the practicalities because I I can just hear people in my own past saying, yeah, that's all well and good, but how do you afford that? You know, so I'd like to ask just a few of the practical type questions. How do you handle giving up an entire adult income? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was interesting because as a... teacher um it's not like I'm giving up six figures or anything which um I've had friends who that's yeah that's a bit more of a challenge um when you're saying goodbye to yeah that much money um and I am a strong believer that like you live with you spend what you have you live you know like you the more you have you kind of well you have different standards for things and um, so it is definitely easier to, easier to start with less than trying to take out money. But when we personally crunched the numbers for daycare, um, it just really, with my personal salary, it didn't really pan out. It was, yes, we're 
losing some money, but when you factor daycare in, it wasn't worth, um, this might be putting it harshly, but the amount of money we would be giving up isn't worth somebody else spending that much time with our kids, you know? So it's like, okay, a few thousand, like, is 100% worth um, me being with her more. You almost can't, for us, you almost can't put money on that. Um, so, yeah, so for us, practically, the daycare reality and the prices on that and not having family in town, it just was sort of a no-brainer. We weren't, we were going to be giving a chunk of money up either way. Um, I don't know. Yeah, it's not super practical, but that was, or that is practical, but that was kind of our litmus test, I guess. Well, I, I think, yeah, because the reason they call it a livelihood is because if you don't have a livelihood, it's kind of hard to live it's kind of hard to mm-hmm. stay alive, you know, without a livelihood. You know, sometimes people right. say, hey, it's only money. Um, money is the thing that buys food, clothing, and shelter. I mean, you know, right. countries right. without a livelihood might have a famine, and that ain't good. You know, so, right. so I mean, you do have to do those monetary calculations. And I have heard that from other parents, kind of what you just said is that they compared the job versus the daycare and the other expenses and the wear and tear on the car. And, you know, maybe you come out five or 10,000 ahead working, but, you know, then your child is worth more than five or 10,000 by far. Right, right. Know? So if you can make it work and, but if you can't make it work and that five or 10,000, it really is the difference between putting food on the table, then that's a different conversation, obviously. That's right. That's right. Um, do you have support? I guess this is another practical question. That is, is there extended family that lives nearby that helps out? Um, Nick's aunt and um, some cousins live here, but that's that's all we have. No grandma and grandpa and no aunts and uncles. Um, they're all kind of in the St. Louis and St. Paul, Minnesota area. So not in a family respect, but we have a pretty big network of um, of just young families and especially with Nick, he works with, um, post-grad young adults. So we just feel like we have a million aunties and uncles who are pretty obsessed with, with little Tua. So we do feel like we have support, but it might not be coming from fam, like the traditional family, um, avenue. Cool. Well, you guys both look so well rested today. So is that also part of the program? Just getting enough sleep? I don't know, drinking water, eating right? You know, yeah. is that part of your program? Um, let's see. I think, yeah, I think that's really important. Um, she's, I just think she's been an easy baby. So I can't take too much credit. Um, she's been pretty easy on us. So but yeah, I'm feeling good, decently rested, and yeah. <laughs> okay. I want to ask a question about being happy at home, because I've yeah. heard some parents occasionally say that they just would never want to work at home uh, mm-hmm. because they would miss the adult company. And, you know, they say they would miss the work conversations. They would miss the crappy, nasty work coffee uh, they would miss like the sale donuts. They would miss yeah. like the demands from clients. The free they, food on that table. Yeah, they would miss the <laughs> the unreasonable manager. Uh, you know that as much as people complain about work, they basically say that 
yeah, work is a gigantic pain in the neck, and I just cannot live without this big epic pain in my neck. Yeah. So, so, I, so I guess Funny. my question for you is, um, what do you do for adult conversation? Yeah, it's kind of interesting. I feel like with the pandemic and so many people working from home, like I wonder how, yeah, just what the conversations will be around that in the future because more people have kind of tasted what that's like. Um, and it's interesting to see people once they got over kind of once they got a month into it and they figured out their routine and their system, how many people are like, yeah, I'm going to be working from home a lot more. Um, so that's, yeah, kind of, yeah, sometimes we don't know what we need. <laughs> what we think we need isn't what we actually need. And of course there's the people who are like, yeah, that was horrible. And I'm so glad I'm back at work. So there's going to be both, but um, for adult conversation, I think one thing that I have yet to fully enter into is Nick is still working from home um, quite a bit, and he has the job flexibility to do that um, more than the average person. So I feel like I get, I've just gotten so much more time with my husband being home, and we're so much less strapped for time and are able to connect a lot more. Um, than we ever have been even when we were dating <laughs> so that's been amazing I so in some ways I have more adult I have equal adult conversation but it's with the person I like love the most so that's been awesome um and then kind of with that like next work being with young adults I think there's just a lot of adults that were single young adults that were connected with um that are just in my life and that, yeah, I get to interact with regularly. So I haven't suffered too much from it. I That definitely was a worry of mine. Um, but I think being proactive about getting, like, other, finding other homeschool or stay-at-home moms is going to be really important, too, just other people living a similar way of life to me and being able to connect on that um, and kind of having my own network of stay-at-home mommies so yeah okay so yeah you've got it now and you're thinking about it in case in the future you ever needed it so, right <laughs> yeah okay um do you ever run across people who say things like but Teresa don't you want to use your college degree <laughs> I haven't actually run across that um but if I were to someone were to say that um this is probably so silly that this was striking to me, but I recently watched Aquaman. I don't know if you've seen it. I, I did. Superhero movies. Um, and he, like, the, the lighthouse guy marries that, like, badass mermaid lady. And there's that scene, like, she's just, she, she's just this, like, stay-at-home mom. And then those people come and attack and you're like whoa what the heck she is incredible like she just takes them down and I jokingly after that scene she's like yeah but I just want to be a stay-at-home mom like you know she can do like these amazing things but she is happy to just she really truly wants to just raise that little boy and she's not able to she has to go back to protect him but um but she was like happy just in that lighthouse despite being this, like, warrior princess. 
So anyways, I found that really striking um, in some ways of like the power of, yeah, there's a lot of things I could be doing and I have gifts and talents and I am going to be using them, um, especially as kids get older, but I don't know, I feel perfectly content too and this is like exactly where I want to be. Um, I don't know if that analogy makes sense, but I just was like, yeah, I love yeah, that. Yeah, it does. I, I, down, I, but she's just going to nurse her baby on the couch instead. <laughs> I, I see that you see yourself as a warrior princess. Yes, that's exactly what I'm trying to communicate. <laughs> no. Well, um, yeah, I'll be careful to not, I don't know, break into your house at the wrong time yeah, or something. Don't and do just that. have you don't crush take me. down. <laughs> Okay, well, when it comes to staying at home with the baby, what gets you the most excited? About just, like, daily life? Yeah, what makes you happiest about this decision? Mm. Like, if you had to put it in a telegram. What was that last part? If you had to put it in a telegram, what makes you most excited? (laughs) Um, yeah, I think it's those those little moments, those little, um, yeah, when she does something new, uh, that I might have missed if I wasn't there, and just like, wow, there's many times, yeah, like, there's nowhere else I'd rather be, I'm so glad I got to see that, so, yeah, that's probably, the, those are the most, like, yep, I made the right decision, when, oh, wow, she just rolled over, or she's laughing out loud right now, or any of those other little things, new little things that she that she's doing. That's yeah. pretty cool. What are you most worried about? With being home? Yeah. Yeah, I think, um, I think you kind of brought it up earlier with the adult conversation thing, but just, um, yeah, life becoming mundane or I just, yeah, I think making the decision, I was worried that, um, by the end of the day, Nick would get home and I would just be like, take this baby! Like, <laughs> I can't handle another second! And honestly, that hasn't happened yet, but I'm sure, I'm sure um, we'll get there, especially adding more kids into the mix. But yeah, just I don't want to be like this wrung out, tired, overburdened, overworked, sick of my kids, mom. Um, yeah, so... I think I'll, I have things in place so that that doesn't happen, but uh, that was that's been a worry. Good, um, good. I, I don't want to. I don't want to see a picture of you on Instagram, like with your feet on the coffee table, with like you're finishing off your fifth martini and you're smoking right, cigarettes. Exactly. And... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Love my life. <laughs> yeah. Just can't take it anymore. Um, yeah. 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 Now, I had one mom mention to me that she was just absolutely unprepared for how much she loved her own baby. And, mm-hmm. and I thought, well, come on, everybody loves their children. And she goes, no, look, you know, you hear that in the movies and, and you, you see that with your friends and, and your family tells you, they, they say, hey, when you get married, you're really going to love your spouse. But none of that is preparation for just how head over heels you are going to be for your own child. I mean, she Mm -hmm. said that she could just sit in a rocking chair for two hours and look at her baby's face and just 
think, you know, I really should probably get up and do the dishes. But then she would think to herself, I just really love this baby. And she just wanted to savor the moment for like another 10 minutes. Were were you just, were you set back? Were you surprised by how much you loved your child? Yeah, I actually love this question. um, Because I think it's a really important one. Um, Because going into it and... uh, um, yeah, I, I feel really strongly that the best thing we can do for our kids is for Nick and I's relationship to be solid and the priority, actually. Um, and I remember having that be the experience growing up, like, to my mom, sometimes being like, wait, I should be the most important one. Why are you choosing dad over me? Um, but actually, that was, like, the best thing they could have done for us. And so I was actually really surprised early on. Nick and I had a a really good kind of rumble about my obsession with Tua and he just honestly was like sometimes I get kind of jealous of how much of your time and focus she gets and like I can't feel silly saying that but um like actually no I'm really glad you said that and you're able to kind of come to the table and talk about that because I wasn't even really a aware of this just obsession (laughs) you know um and I didn't want to be the mom who isn't able to give anyone else any attention because they're so focused on their child and I wanted um I'm it's very important to me that Nick is involved both in her life and my priority and vice versa that I'm his priority but he's involved in, in little perpetual life so we, I was able to kind of face up to that and be like, okay, hey, we need to put some things in place and check myself. Um, and it is wonderful to be obsessed and love my baby, but that can that can get out of control. Um, so I was surprised by my love for her and my obsession, and it's something that. Um, yeah, that I, like, kind of put guardrails around, if that makes sense. Like, um, I'm going to turn the monitor off and just be present to my husband at dinner or little things that I can do to show that he has my full attention um, to keep that love first in my heart, if that makes sense. Oh, sure it does. It absolutely does because, you know, you always think about families with, say, five kids. They always say you shouldn't choose favorites. And the reason they say you shouldn't choose favorites is because most people are choosing favorites. You know, it's for the same reason that people say don't judge a book by its cover. It's because (laughs) 99.9% of us are judging a book by its cover. You know, or it's why they say, you know, beauty is is skin deep, but ugly is to the bone. Because most of us are (laughs) looking at beautiful people and thinking, I bet that is a really nice person. I bet that is. I'm going to be their friend. Yeah, Yeah. I I bet that they are great on every conceivable level there is, Uh you know, because Uh we're shallow. That's just, and it's easy to get unbalanced. So it was just, yeah, it was just good to hear you say that. Um, I'd love to Do you mind if we jump to that last hypothetical question? Uh, The one about the houseboat? Um, Yeah, the one you said you could kind of land the plane with that one because the nugget is ready for 
some attention. Oh, okay, yeah, because your baby is about getting ready to run. She is ready. Okay, yes. okay. Well, this has been a very good conversation, and I hope that yeah, we've hit all of the essentials and we've looked at pros and cons. But let's fast forward ahead to you are now 100 years old, so I guess 73 years from today, and you are sitting on the front porch of your home, and you're holding Nick's hands, and your children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren are gathered nearby, and somebody looks back, and uh, they, they say, Grandma, what was the best about your life? What, what are you most excited by, most humbled by? What was the best thing about your life, Grandma? And it, this is what would I hope I would say. Yeah. Huh. Um, I kind of, I guess, going off of that, um, that previous answer that I had about just prioritizing my relationship with my husband, I, I hope, yeah, my answer is around... Um, the unity that I have with my husband and our relationship and the steadfastness of that through these last, these last, what would that be? 20, yeah, 70, whatever you said, 75 years. Um, and I, yeah, you, I think that's something we talk about a lot, unity between us and then unity between us and God, and so I hope, yeah, the thing I'm the most humbled by and excited by is how unified Nick and I are in each other and in the Lord, and um, I think it would be really humbling if I could say that that was, yeah, that that's where we're at, like, more unified than ever before with um, within our marriage and within our our relationship with God. So, yeah. It's awesome. It's awesome. Teresa yeah. and Tua, I just want to thank yeah. you for making this all possible. Yes. And, um, I'm honored to be a part of this. Yeah. We're 50. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I got to get back to, back to my job. Okay. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> well, I have to let you know before you go that I'd love to have mm -hmm. you back on a wide variety of other topics. So thank you again, Teresa, so very much. Thanks, Tim. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Seemingly Ordinary. The biggest favor you could do for me would be for you to share this episode far and wide. The next episode will be next Tuesday.